Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. As you know, we are a mental health podcast, and so I thought what better way to start this new season than by bringing on a guest. This is going to be a multi-series featuring many of the members from KIF, the Knights of the Inferno Military and Motors- Military Firefighting and Motorcycle Club. They're all going to dog on me for getting that wrong. <laughs> But the first guest is actually my dad. He has gone through some of his own trials with mental health recently, and I thought, what better way to start off this series than with my dad, Don Rhodes. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't, uh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I kind of. I asked you yesterday to be on the podcast. Yeah, and it's, it's, I've listened to all your podcasts and it's, they're really helpful. And, you know, if I can share my story and help somebody or make somebody feel better, that's, you know, I'll help you out as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off, you have gone through some trials of your own. I want to start back how have you viewed our relationship growing up? Because from my point of view, we haven't always had the closest relationship growing up, personally in my eyes. We are, I think this is the closest we have been in a while. What is your take on that, your opinion? Pretty much the same. It's hard because we come from a separated family. Me and your mom got divorced and you guys went to live with your mom. You and your sister are both girls, so... You know, you relate to your mom so much more than me, and I've I've tried to do what I can, and yeah, our relationship, just because we didn't have anything in common, you know, you guys were young girls, what am I supposed to do with a young girl, you know? I'm out working in the garage, and you guys don't want to do that stuff, but it's nice now that you guys are older, and I'm so proud of both my daughters, Victoria, with being a mom, she's just awesome, Mm -hmm. and my first grandbaby, Andy. He's adorable. I can't wait to see the next one. Yeah. And you going to college, you going to college, you know, I'm I'm proud of both of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We are both part of Knights of the Inferno. So <laughs> <laughs> what what's your experience on that? How long have you been in the club? I've been in the club since uh, June of last year. We took a break for a while. We had some disagreements and the last administration I left with them and with everything that's going on in my life now the Knights of the Inferno firefighter military yeah, motorcycle club <laughs> it's a we're really tight knit family and you know we support each other wholeheartedly and that's why me and and Jojo yeah. Billy we went back just to support, you know, to get the support from the club and to support the community because that's what we're all about. Yes. And it just, it makes, it makes me feel better helping people and getting back. It just, the mental part of it is great, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And now you're there and I'm your sponsor. <laughs> so... If you don't know what a sponsor is, I sponsored you into the club because I'm in it and you're family. So 
that's you have to be family or like-minded citizens mm-hmm. but if you screw up i get in trouble for it because you're just a social member <laughs> and i don't mean just a social yeah. member you're part of the club just as much as everybody else yeah but title wise i am a social yeah member. and i'm a full pat with no title <laughs> <laughs> it says space for rent <laughs> touch on more of your accident later but how has being part of the motorcycle club helped with the mental aspect of your accident talking talking with some of the club members um one in particular i won't mention his name hopefully you'll get into that later but uh he calls me every day to see how i'm doing well actually two of them call me almost every day to see how i'm doing uh, Wednesdays are my worst day because that's when the accident happened. I don't realize it. It just, Your for some, does. yeah, for some reason, Wednesdays, it's just Wednesdays are rough. Yeah. And he makes sure that he calls me and just says, hey, what's going on? If you need somebody, just call me. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to talk about nothing. We can just talk. And the last time we were up at his house, it was kind of strange because we walked off into the field, mm-hmm. into the trees, and he says, if you ever need a quiet place, this is your place too. Because yeah. he has he has issues, and he knows exactly what I'm going through. And he says, if you want to come out here and throw things and cuss and break stuff, go ahead. I'm here for you 100%. That's and, good. you know, the club is just so supportive in everything. You know, my immediate family don't really know how to talk to me about it it's just it happened big deal move on yeah and they don't get the the ptsd like we talked about earlier i'm i'm diagnosed with an adjustment disorder on the verge of ptsd it depends on who you talk to Mm -hmm. so you know this happened two years ago but in, and I'm okay to talk about it, but in the same aspect, it, it just bothers me so much. And, and you don't, you. yeah, you don't understand. I can be driving down the road and just start crying for yeah. no reason. And I don't understand why, because I'll cry and I'm laughing at the same time, because why are you crying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know many of the listeners right now are very curious on what accident we're talking about. I'm going to invite you to share your accident, and you don't have to share all the nitty-gritty aspects of it. Share what only you are comfortable and willing to share. So, two years ago, I worked for a garbage company, and I was doing front-load recycling. I picked up dumpsters full of cardboard, and I was just doing my, my normal job. I've been there for 17 years now, so I'm experienced. And just for clarification, you do the same route every yes. Wednesday. So yes. like every not every day, but every day of the week you have a different route, but it's But it's the same it's one. The Monday's same, the same, same one, Tuesday's the same one, Got Wednesday's. It. So, I was out doing my Wednesday route and it was off of Sullivan. And there's a bar out there. And they got garbage and they got recycling. And usually when I go pick up the dumpster, I'll shake it a little bit because we've had people sleep inside of them. Yeah. Well, it's June and you don't think about it because mainly it's it's, it's yeah, and they do it in the winter time because yeah. they want to stay warm in the cardboard. So I was just doing my normal thing, and I dumped the dumpster and went on my way. I picked up my whole route. I went out here to the recycling center, 
and dumped my load. And then with my second load, I went out there and the coroner was there. And me being who I am, I was joking because one of the guys come out and I said, hey, did you guys find another body? And he goes, yes, we did. So I didn't find out until like a week later, my boss calls me and meets me off site. He doesn't take me into the meeting room or anything. He meets me in Yoke's parking lot and he called me four o'clock in the morning, says, hey, what are you doing? Well, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready for work. (laughs) So he says, well, meet me at Yoke's. I want to talk to you. You're not in trouble. Don't worry about it. So, okay, I'll be in there in about 20 minutes. I'm on the motorcycle. So I take off and I go in there and he's sitting there. And this is, this is the hardest part for me is, is the way it was delivered to me. I got off the motorcycle and I lit a cigarette and he walks up and he goes, remember the body that they found out at the recycling center? And I said, yep. He goes, he came out of your truck. You killed him. So me being who I am, I did an investigation on my own because they won't tell me anything. I found out a week earlier, well, it wasn't even a week, somewhere around there, there was a a guy, 28-year-old guy, asleep in the dumpster, and I dumped him in the truck, and the, the truck packs the cardboard in there, and I basically packed him, and I killed him. It's... Is that confirmed, or do you yes. know? So he was alive. There's and there's two cameras in the back of the okay. truck. There's one that I I can see from inside the truck to make sure the dumpster's empty. Yeah. And then there's one that the company has that looks from the side, and so they can see if there's it's contaminated okay. with uh, stuff that's not supposed to yeah. be in recycling. What they told me is later on down the road they told me that they watched me dump him in there and he was laying there and he got up and he looked around. And he just laid back down. So he was conscious. And again, you know how I am. I'm constantly trying to do the best I can. And it's impossible to put five tons of cardboard on a truck. That day I put five and a half tons. Mm. So when they identified his body, they had to do it by his clothes. Because I packed him so hard. The easiest way I can say it is it's like a squirrel on the highway. Yeah. I pushed some of his insides out. Wow. And they identified him from his clothes because he just got out of jail five days earlier. He was stealing money from baristas out on Sullivan. Oh, wow. So they knew what he was wearing and he was homeless. It was just hearing that the way it was delivered. You killed him. Yeah. I freaked out. and Absolutely. Well, at first, I, I, I had I had to take time to process it. And I guess I'm slow with that because it took me... I drove I rode home, and it took me a couple days to just process it. And then I went back to work, and that's when I had a really bad panic attack and anxiety. And I just freaked out in the truck. And I had to come home, and I just sat on the couch and cried. And that's when we decided that I need to start going to counseling. I didn't, I've never really believed in depression, but that's, that's when I really started acknowledging how much depression and anxiety 
is a real thing. You know, I'm kind of old school. You, you just deal with it and move on. This I can't. Yeah. We've seen it where just all of a sudden I break down. We're right in the middle of a conversation talking about mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. And I'll start crying. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to deal with. And, you know, being, being this age, I'm 49, <laughs> we were taught to just deal with it. And I'm getting to the point where I can't. You, you need to get help. Mm-hmm. If, if something's bothering you, you need to get help. Yeah. And it's, it's been two years, and I thought, okay, it should be getting better. But it's not. It's getting worse because I only went to counseling for a while mm-hmm. due to insurance with the company and stuff you know i couldn't go no more but i'm trying to get back into it because about two weeks ago i took what i call a death ride i got on the motorcycle and i just didn't care what happened i promised everybody that i wouldn't commit suicide you know but that day i don't know what clicked in my head but i just jumped on the bike and took off and i know it'll do 115 and I went over a hill and it scared me because it dropped off. Yeah. And that just, it kind of reset me for a minute and I had to pull over and I just sat there and I cried. I knew right then I need to do something because I don't, I don't want to leave that way and I don't want to do that to you and, and everybody else. Yeah. You, you need to get help. Even if you don't think, you know, it might, it's nothing, it's, it's small. Mm-hmm. I would say check into it and, and talk to people. Yeah. So I've mentioned on this podcast before that I'm on antidepressants. And I know that you have had your experience with taking medicine. And you mentioned that you did counseling. How has your experience been? And what was the timeline of you getting on antidepressants and medication? Right after I, I found out, it was probably a week and a half that I started counseling and they put me on antidepressants and anxiety and now I'm on, uh, oh, I can't even think of what it is. This is another problem. <laughs> I, my brain goes, yeah. it just shuts off and I can't remember stuff. I mean, anyways, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I have to take stuff to sleep because I, I, I can go to bed at eight o'clock at night and I get maybe four hours of sleep. And that's off and on. So I'm on a sedative. That's what it is. I'm on a sedative and another medication to knock me out at night. And that don't do anything anymore. And, you know, the memory loss, I don't know what that has to do with it. It's, it's weird talking about it. Yeah. Because my other nephew came over here when he found out and he was sitting outside. He's 10 years younger than me. And I stared at him for a half an hour and couldn't remember his name. It was a struggle. Because it's like, I know that he's my nephew. Mm-hmm. And I could name off everybody in the family, but I couldn't remember his name sitting there looking at him. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a struggle. Every day is a struggle to get up, and I still work at the same job. And it's hard to walk by the truck that I used to drive because I'm not in that line of business no more. Mm-hmm. I moved to a different one because it was just too hard. It's, it's hard to walk past that truck. And I drive by the the bar that I picked him up at. Yeah. And it's, every day is a struggle. I, I cry almost every day driving home 
and I laugh about it because I should be happy because I'm going home. I'm yeah. done with work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I come home and me and me and Billy will sit there and a commercial will come on. I'll break down and cry. And she's like, what triggered it? I don't know. You know, this is a AARP <laughs> commercial for <Yeah>. retirement. <laughs> it was beautiful. I'm just crying. I don't know. Yeah. But it's it's a struggle, you know, and seeing you and, and Victoria growing up, you know, it, it all wraps up into one thing. You know, it, it all compiles. Was I a good dad to you guys? And, you know, what would I do if that happened to you guys? And hopefully you'd never be sleeping in a dumpster, but <laughs> everything just piles on and piles on. And it gets, I have my days where it's hard to get out of bed and do anything. Mm-hmm. And the, the club has been great in that aspect because they make sure that you're up and you're doing stuff and you're being productive. And, and then once I get, they give me a task, I go all out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't stop thinking about it. That's all I can do. I obsess on it. And like the yard sale we just did, all it was said was, hey, we need to do something for the fire victims. And I just laid it all out. So this is what we're going to do. And they're like, okay, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If any of your listeners even think that they're having a problem, talk to somebody. It doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl and you think you're strong enough to deal with it. You're, you're, you're fooling yourself because it'll catch up to you. It really does. And, you know, you can shameless plug. We do DBR custom. And we make shirts and stuff like that. And that's why whenever you come out, I'm in the garage. My my road name for the club is Switch because I constantly switch stuff. And it's just something for me to keep myself busy. But when you go out there, it's funny to watch because I'll do a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, a little of this. Then I'll get back to what I was doing because I can't concentrate on just one thing like I used to. Yeah. And it's 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 draining yeah, so a part of that with switching stuff, do you find that it's hard for you to start a task and finish it fully? Starting's easy. I can start it. I can start nine tasks. <laughs> Getting them done, it, it takes me a while. Something simple like I used to do, working on cars in the garage, I could start on it and finish it. I have a car sitting in the driveway now that's been there for a year and a half, and it's not complete. Mm-hmm. And I'll start on it. And then I get sidetracked and then it sits there and I, I've promised myself that this winter I'll get it in the garage and I'll get it done. And I promised myself I wouldn't move it out of the garage until I started working on it. Well, now it's sitting <laughs> in the driveway, so yeah, I'll get it back in there and I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. It's, that's kind of therapeutic for me. It's therapeutic because I have to concentrate on it and it gets my mind off of everything else. Yeah. But it's it's just it's a cover up is all it is. You know, I'm waiting to find if my claim gets back open, I'm going to go start seeing counseling cuz I do need it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, my biggest the hardest thing I have to deal with is it's been 2 years, shouldn't it get better? And it's not. It's kind of getting worse. Do you feel that you have survivor's guilt from this accident? Yeah, I do. Because, like I said, I, I did my own investigation. They just told me it was a, 
a man. Mm-hmm. And I looked, I looked through all everything I could find, you know. Well, he went to jail, so yeah, that I, was I found narrowed down the search a little bit. Too. I found the police records, and then you know I got on Facebook and did all the investigation I could. And come to find out, he's a twenty-year-old guy, twenty-eight-year-old man. His name's David. He's homeless, and he lives up here. His parents live in California, and they're looking for him. Oh wow! And that's another thing. This time of year is really hard for me because his parents aren't going to have him around for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And and I think about that, should I be here? You know, it, it doesn't solve any problems if if I'm gone. You know, I'm glad you asked me to do this. And like I said, if I can help somebody else, I will, you know, help them through the same stuff that I'm dealing with. But it's it's rough thinking, you know, there's... That's the last thing you would think of doing garbage is I'm going to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just any, just in life in general, going to accidentally kill somebody today. Mm-hmm. And now I have to deal with it every day. And I, it's easy for me to talk about, but it's the mental part that yeah. I don't think about. And that's what really messes me up. Yeah. Cause you've had, I mean, you've been garbage man 17 years so um you've had your fair share of crazy oh, adventures i've had people <laughs> jump out of dumpsters before and yeah. you know i've i've wrecked trucks put one over a 12 foot embankment yeah it's a joke at work that if if it can be done i've done it <laughs> you know 17 years and now the joke is and it's not a joke i've done everything at work and i've done stuff that i don't want other people to do mm-hmm. and it's it's just it makes you think, you know, I want to come come home, hug the wife, and call you and Victoria and tell you guys, you know, I love you guys, and make sure make sure you know, because who knows, one of these days it's got to be my time. Absolutely. Yeah, so for our listeners, what advice do you have for people who are struggling with mental health? Get help. It doesn't matter if you think it's stupid or... By stupid, I mean if you think it's too small. Nothing nothing is too small. You know, go talk to somebody. You know, and, and get, get a second opinion. Get a third or fourth. Mm-hmm. Just talk to somebody. You know, because it's... Call a suicide hotline. You know, they'll talk to you. I've actually thought about calling that, but I have resources that I can talk to mm-hmm. within the club. Just get help. It's it's not worth hurting yourself and, and living in misery. Because that's, after a while, that's what it is. Absolutely. Day-to-day can get to you enough that you have mental problems. You know, it's, I just seen it on TV. It's a new thing that they're doing. Shut your eyes for a second and reset. Take a moment for yourself. I actually did it the other day and it, it actually... Just to reset yourself, it works, but nothing nothing is ever too small. You know, if, if you think you're having problems and you start having weird thoughts, like I, I said, I would never commit suicide or anything, and I've never thought of it, but then when you think about it, I thought about if I wanted to die, how would I do it? Well, that's the same thing. 
get help, talk to somebody, church counselor, school counselor. It, it, it's the best thing for you. Yeah. And I think even like a trusted friend or family is a great resource yes. too. I mean, there's obviously a line between, depends on your situation ultimately, but some friends, they're great resources just to talk to. But I think there's a line where talking to your friends and talking to a medical professional lies too. So. Well, your friends might not, might not understand exactly what you're going through. Exactly. You know, as a, as a counselor or a professional, they, they have more insight into it because mm-hmm. that's my biggest thing is what am I supposed to talk about when I go to a counselor? You know, I can tell them my story, but I don't understand what my day-to-day problem is. Yeah. And everybody says they'll, they'll know how to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And unlike your friends, your friends can listen to you and give you advice and it might not always be the sound advice that you want, but I think seeking professional help, and I hate to say it, but today's economy, it's about money too. You don't have the money to do it, but there there's resources out there that you can do for free. Mm-hmm. I beg everybody, don't be like me and try and just stick it out for as long as you can. Go take care of it and enjoy life. The past two years, excuse my language, but it's been hell. Every day I wake up and I don't know what my day is going to be like. I take my antidepressants first thing in the morning. And if I don't, it's a terrible day. I freak out over the simplest things and then I laugh about it. And then I'm like, I need to go take my medication. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see a day in the future where you don't have to take medication anymore? I hope so. I'm not a professional, but I hope so. I can talk about this and it'll probably take a while, but who knows if there's underlying stuff that happened in my childhood too, that I've suppressed, Mm -hmm. but eventually, yeah, that's, that's my goal is to be as normal as possible. If you want to put it that way, (laughs) but what's normal. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. How has this event, this accident, if you will, how has it made you stronger as a person? That's a good one. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to put yeah, it. Yeah, you know, because I mean, we've talked about how the setbacks and you struggle with your day to day tasks and everything. But I think looking at the bright side, what do you, what would you say has made you stronger about this whole thing? Accepting it and accepting help. Thinking that I'm, I'm big and bad and I don't need help from anybody. Acknowledging that I do need help. And I can't do this on my own. You know, having the support system that I have is is just huge. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is realizing this is a fight I can't fight on my own. I'm I need somebody there to to have my back, and I do with everybody I have. But I just need that extra push with somebody that is professional and knows what to ask. And push the right buttons to make me better help me through it Mm -hmm. and understanding that's another one is understanding other people with depression like i said when victoria said she had depression i was just like "Eh, you're just growing and you're not liking what's going on i i get it now i have sympathy for people that have depression and anxiety and you know she's got both of those and and so do you and and i get it now I'm not just the jerk that I used to be and say, oh, get over it. Mm -hmm. 
I totally understand. Absolutely. Have you found any mental health practices outside of Western medicine, such as your antidepressants and counseling? Have you found any mental health practices such as, like you said, deep breathing and resetting or anything like that that has helped you? That's funny you ask. (laughs) (laughs) This is stuff nobody knows, but sometimes at night I have this thing on my phone. It's a breathing exercise, Mm -hmm. and you can relax your whole body. And it's so cool to lay there, and you can feel yourself just sink into the mattress. But I don't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally relaxed, but my mind is like, still going 20 different things you know i i've done that and sitting down and just resetting take a second for yourself think of the stuff that you have and you're thankful for Mm -hmm. other than that my thing is working on cars and and helping people i'm a people pleaser (laughs) there you go from your last podcast (laughs) just just working on working with my hands and in the garage and just having somebody out there to talk to, mm-hmm. you don't have to do nothing. Just sit there. You could read a book and not listen to me as long as you're there. Yeah. It's like separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, I want somebody there just for the comfort. Yeah. Which, I mean, growing up, you, I had separation anxiety really bad when I was in elementary school, middle school. Um, I couldn't spend the night at friends' houses because I'd just wake up in the middle of the night have a panic attack couldn't sleep i know i had to come so. get you a couple times <laughs> yeah but i you know yeah. and back then i didn't get it yeah i was it, like what is she's coming home in four hours what's her problem yeah and i, and I, I totally get it especially for me being as young as i was i didn't understand it either and so i'd get really embarrassed to leave a friend's house because i didn't know what was going on with my own body so I can kind of relate to you in that way. It's such an out-of-body experience to experience depression, anxiety, anything that you're really experiencing. It's just something that you're, the human mind can't really wrap around a disorder like that. So um, I really appreciate you being vulnerable on this podcast. Cause it's, it's, it's well, and that's, people have said the more you talk about it, the better it gets. And, you know. I, I hope that's what it is because I do share my story with people when they ask me. I'm open about it and I tell them. And most people say the the big thing for me is it's not your fault. Why are you so upset about it? Well, technically, I pushed a button <laughs> and ended somebody's life. Yeah. I didn't know it and I didn't do it on purpose. But it's, it's the mental aspect. I took somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And that's what the brain wraps itself yeah. around is whether no matter how hard you try and convince yourself that you didn't do it ultimately you did do it and I'm, yeah i'm not trying to make you feel like a bad person no but, but it, that's your what daughter, it is we've talked about this a lot and so i'm comfortable saying that to you but um especially in college now learning about all this stuff as well it's it's just it's so interesting to see how different things shape different people and from right. an outside point of view how we think that affects you and ways that it doesn't i think that's one of the things that makes me mad all the time and it shouldn't make me mad because it is true i didn't kill him the truck did Mm -hmm. it wasn't my fault he was in in the dumpster and and i've i've tried to convince myself of that and i think that it it just it hits me wrong when somebody says oh it's not your fault Mm -hmm. i I get that but your brain sees at the end of the day there's one less person and, and I was part of that. Mm-hmm. 
whether I knew it or not, you know, and then the way the whole thing, we could do a whole nother podcast on how it was handled and how they told me and, and the stuff that happened at work. None of it was handled properly. Mm-hmm. And that just builds on top of everything that, that I've had to deal with and I'm still dealing with it. And, you know, I have to go to work and it's never mentioned because now it's hush hush. It's you don't talk about stuff like that. And I think we should to let other, let the new guys, you know, 17 years I've been there. I've got guys there. There's like 10 guys that work there. I don't even know their name. Mm-hmm. And I, there's part of me that doesn't want to know their name because they're just a new guy. <laughs> but I would like them to know that it could happen to you. That was my biggest thing. This will never happen to me. And it did. And now I like to say I'm messed up because I am. And I acknowledge it and I know I need help. I'm doing the best I can with everything. But I need professional help. And I think once I start getting that, I will actually, I can't say get better or reconcile with it. It's just, it's weird. That's, yeah. that's, that's the easiest way I can say it. It's just my mind's in 20 directions talking to you right now. I'm, we're in, we're in the basement and I'm looking at the vinyl and looking <laughs> at the phone and thinking, should I go back outside and work on the motorcycle? Should I go do this, do that? What about this? And mm-hmm. it's like 20 different things all at once. And I'm trying to stay focused and it's just, it's like a train wreck. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot stop watching it mm-hmm. and it's, you know. Like I said, I'm proud proud of you for doing this and and helping people and I want to be able to help people and that's part of the club issue. You know, we help people as much as we can. Now you're part of it. You know, and, and if this goes like we talked and you get to interview some of those, people will get a, a better insight on on just what the club is and how the members we're all so different, but we're the same. Yeah. And we have some of the same problems. We just don't know it. Mm-hmm. And the longer we're together, the more we find out about it. And then we become stronger because we start helping each other. Yeah. It's it's a cool thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we're wrapping up this podcast, I just want to thank you again for being so vulnerable and sharing something that's really hard. But I do think it is important that we share our stories and shed light on such a huge topic such as mental health um do you have anything else that you'd like to say to the podcast if it came down to it and somebody needed somebody to talk to a stranger my garage is always open i call it my church because what what's said in my garage stays in my garage Mm. and you know somebody you could look it up dbr customs on facebook i think you got it on instagram They could look that up and, you know, if they called me, I, I never answer my phone. But if they <laughs> left me a message and said, hey, Dawn, I just need to talk. I'm having I'm having a problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, come on out. You can watch me work on the motorcycle or we'll work on your car. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk. If I, if I can help somebody, I'm there. Absolutely. Well, like he said, you can find him on DBR Customs. Don Rhodes is your name. Even if they wanted to get a hold of you and said, hey, your dad sounds pretty cool. I doubt anybody's going to say that. <laughs> but, you know, I need to talk to your dad. Yeah. You know, I'm 
I'm there Absolutely. if they want to go sit at a park mm-hmm. and not talk. Just have somebody sit next to them. I'll go sit on a park bench and enjoy the scenery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 part of it is just having that person there, whether you know that person, but you know that that they know something's going on. You said it about one of our members the other day, last night. There's something going on with him. I can feel it. But it's it's just having that person acknowledge it and be there mm-hmm. is a big thing. Absolutely. Well, thank you one last time for being on the podcast. Like I keep repeating myself, thank you for being vulnerable. That's It's definitely not easy. And I'm glad that even though two years has passed and you're still, you're still fighting those battles that you know, you can talk about it and you can it's acknowledge It's pretty easy, you though, because you're my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if this was somebody else, it would be a little bit strange, but yeah. you know my story. Yeah. So it's it's easy to talk to you about it, and that's why I'm holding it together. Absolutely. Because, you know, we've talked about it, but it, it it's it's rough. You know, get help. Don't yes. Don't wait. Get help. Absolutely. Yeah, and... As I always emphasize for any of my viewers, my inbox is open and you Viewers? Have, I thought you said people couldn't see listen, us. Listen, listeners. <laughs> I call, viewers, listeners, whatever. I get it. Uh, whatever you want to call it, friends on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> my inbox is open, your inbox is open, yep. so don't don't fret to reach out. We're, if I don't answer, leave me a message. Yeah. You know. We're all in this together. It's one small community. Yep. Small, big community. <laughs> so... Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll catch you next week on Never Ending Roads.